Hello and welcome to episode 107 of Page One, the Writer's Podcast. I'm Tarek. I'm Marco. And thanks for joining us at the Page One Podcast, where we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing careers, find out about their process and see how they got into the industry, as well as try to get as many writing hints and tips as possible. And we do have a great back catalogue of guests from authors to screenwriters to video game writers to comic writers so please do check out the back catalogue if this is your first episode but as ever Tarek we have another great guest this the week. hits just keep on coming this week we are chatting with Sam Holland who is a debut author and her uh, first novel is called The Echo Man uh, it's I've read it myself it's a fantastic read it's a crime novel a thriller where the serial killer uh, uses the MO of other serial murderers from the past. So you've got your Zodiac, your Manson family killings, etc. So it's a, re- it's a really good idea. And we've said before, one of those ideas that you think, I'm amazed someone hasn't done it already. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's funny how, how many of those ideas exist. Yeah. <laughs> when you watch or read something yeah. and go, God, that's such a simple idea. Yeah. Why, why didn't I think of that? But no, it, yeah, a, a really great idea. Um, and Sam was a great guest. Really good insight into breaking into the industry and also talking about how she plans her novels she she's very visual writer Mm -hmm. and talking about having an image board for her characters and things like that which is an interesting way to try and get in the heads of your characters and try and uh, write your novel yeah it's it's a really fun chat um loads of interesting information and if you're just trying to break into the industry i think there's a lot of really good stuff in this episode Uh, and of course marco don't forget for listeners and lovers of science fiction writers, we have a little treat coming up with Mr. Adrian Tchaikovsky. Yes, and the possibility to see us recording it live and fluffing <laughs> our lines. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see just how many times we have to stop this. It takes Marco days it. to edit an episode. <laughs> so no, many edits. Uh, yeah, the Chimera um, the Science Fiction and Fantasy and Horror Festival in Edinburgh is... All across the Jubilee weekend, the 3rd to the 5th of June. And uh, on the 4th of June, we're doing a live recording of the podcast there with an audience, with Adrian Tchaikovsky. Uh, you do need a ticket, but you, it's free, but you book that on the Chimera website. We'll put a link in the podcast description. So, uh, yeah, if you are in Edinburgh and you fancy the sound of that, then please do come along. We'd love to see you there. And uh, we'll also give you the opportunity to ask some questions as Absolutely. well. But anyway, that's enough just now. It will get straight into the podcast after a quick advert for a writer's notebook. But for now, on with the podcast. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is, write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. 
As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story, so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. Did you always want to be a writer? Um, yes, I, I think I did. Um, I So as a child, I, I read a lot. Um, I, I could, you know, I think I could read before I went to school. I had those um, in the days before proper audio. I had those audio tapes where, you know, you put them in and it beeps when you have to turn the page. So I think oh, yeah. I sort of, I think I learned to read with those and, and my mum taught me and so yeah I think I did want to be a writer but I don't think I quite acknowledged that I could be a writer yeah. and I thought that I had to get a like a proper job you know one with a suit and heels and um, you know a security pass so uh, I didn't really think that that you know being a writer was was a proper job so I think I didn't really think of it in those terms but I always loved books I always loved writing it just took me a lot longer to get to that realization I think I think that's something quite common I, I think um, writer as a career is something which is not really pushed on people or it's certainly nothing that was ever really I never it's, thought of in it fact you're pushed away from it you are that's say. totally true yeah I agree with that you're very much pushed on like vocational jobs aren't you or stuff where you're going to get a job at the end of it and stuff and a writer's kind of like sort of being, <laughs> being like an actor or something yeah you, you don't really get a job at the end of being a writer do you? <laughs> no it was it was certainly never mentioned to me that that I could be a writer or being an author was was a job you know was a you know you do those you do those quizzes don't you where you yeah. put in all your detail the career things and, and certainly <laughs> nobody ever said oh yeah you could no. be you could be an author so no I did all um did all science A levels and then I went to university and did psychology uh, and then I went to be uh, work in HR so I was an HR business partner which is basically sort of hiring and firing and I did that for for 15 years so um, no, that, that there was there was not a lot of writing in that, but it, all the all the all the time I was still reading a lot, um, and I was still writing sort of. And towards towards the end of my career in HR, I was um, writing blogs, and I had a novel, obviously that was that I was writing. Um, I was doing some short stories, and I think slowly I came around to the idea that actually I could be good at this, and actually I didn't want to be in an office with all the politics and all that. Yeah stuff you have to deal with yeah. uh, so, uh, so at what stage do you think you thought actually yeah I can I can try this as a um, I as had, a more serious thing 
Yeah, I had I had two very, very nice bosses. Um, one which uh, a job came up that was working on social media and sort of blogs. It was still recruitment, so it was still HR, but it involved that writing side of things. And she said, well, you can write, can't you? And sort of read some of my stuff and then gave me this job. And through that and people reading what I was writing and people saying, actually, this is good, I think that gave me the confidence to, and I say finish, I sort of got to about 80% of the novel. And at the same time, it was it was quite fortuitous that actually I wasn't enjoying my job that much. Um, I loved the people and I loved the team I was working in. And my boss was wonderful. But um, I think it just was a quite nice time when I kind of sat down and said, actually, I think I'll quit my job and I'll, I'll be an author, you know, in, in inverted commas, because I was unpublished. I hadn't even finished the novel. I hadn't, you know, hadn't ever had, you know, had anything published. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just lucky that it worked out, actually. And, I mean, and did, was, you, did you have an agent or anything at that stage? Or no, was it not completely a, uh, sort of jump into the dark. It was a complete jump into the dark. I mean, to be, you know, to, to in the spirit of full honesty, um, I sat down with my husband and we said, can we pay the mortgage without my salary? And we could. Um, and then when I, yeah, so then I quit and I decided that I was going to be a freelance um, editor and copywriter. And I did actually manage to get a couple of quite well-paid jobs as technical editors, which was something I'd never done before, but luckily it was okay. And um, I made some money and no, and then, and then that gave me the sort of space to finish the novel, um, cut a long story short, but finish it, sent it out to agents, um, got a lot of rejections and then then signed with, yeah, then, then I got an agent about, uh, it's probably about six months after I quit my job, yeah. Oh, so you so you went down the kind of the traditional route of subbing out to agents, finding you know going through the whole rejection process, etc. And uh, yes, it's quite it's yeah. quite a, a, a tough process, isn't it? It's, you have to have, really have quite thick skin. A lot of people I read say you should frame your rejections because it's obviously trying to put a positive spin <laughs> them, on it. But yeah, it's quite put them tough. on the. It's not what I feel like when I get one. <laughs> put them on the nail yeah. on the. Is it Stephen yeah. King? Had the yeah, nail that's right. Yeah, on the yeah. nail. Yeah. No, I, I never did that. I think it was all electronic by the time I did it. Um, but uh, yeah, I sort of. It was. It was very much. I was very much slush pile. So I had no contacts. I knew nobody in publishing. I knew nothing about publishing. And yeah, I came through the slush pile. I had a couple of interests. A couple of people then turned me down after a full. Um, and then, yeah, I, I eventually met up with um, Ed, who, um, yeah, we met up and, yeah, he, he, I really liked him. He really liked what I was writing. So, and off we went. And I think I read online that you're a self-confessed serial killer nerd and you grew up reading <laughs> stuff like Stephen King and James Herbert. So you're obviously yeah. drawn to that kind of dark side of thriller writing, I suppose. Um, and was that, was that... You know, and we'll chat about the Echo Man, obviously, very shortly. And that's a very dark book. And yes, <laughs> was was it? Did you always feel that was a kind of book you wanted to write that kind of dark story? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up, and I probably was reading them when I shouldn't have been reading them. But um, sort of Stephen King, James Herbert's The Rats, you know, and, yeah. and I think Dominion, Dominion was the other one. Um, and I read all of those, all the all the point horror books, um, all that crime stuff. So yeah, I always really loved that. I had a lot of um, 
I think my dad gave me a book, which I've still got on my shelf, which is called like Proof of Poison, which is about various poisoning cases and what you could. Oh. And I don't know what age he gave that to me, but it was young. <laughs> it was far, far too young. Um, so, Does yeah, I would tell you something. Or? I don't know. <laughs> I think it was a hint. Um, but, um, but yeah, I always really loved that dark stuff. So when I sat down, I started writing The Echo Man. I wanted to write something that was like no holds barred that that there was no limits there was I could do whatever I liked I could you know use whatever language I liked drop the c-bomb in a couple of times um you know I could use whatever descriptors I liked and that that was I think my brief to myself was just like just just go for it basically um yeah and have a lot of fun which I, I think I did but and if as someone that that you know went through the the sort of traditional slush pile process three chapters and all that sort of stuff yeah did you show like how did you know when you were ready to send it in did you did you share it did you join a writing group or, or anything like that um no none of that I'm really bad for for that sort of thing I still don't have beta readers now um no I I, I read it um I think ooh, there were very few people that read it to be honest I think I just sort of felt this is this is where I want to be with it and then yeah it was more of a feeling I think mm -hmm. uh, yeah I had I didn't have a writer's group I didn't know anybody who wrote I didn't know any authors um yeah just sort of leap of faith really and an Echoman's your debut novel um and I wondered was it the first book you actually tried to write as well or do you were there any false start books that you kind of got so far and thought no nah, it's not working through it away no I mean I had a lot of abortive attempts at, at novels um it, it's probably yeah it's it's not the first it's certainly not the first book I've written but it's definitely the first um the first of that sort of very radical I guess the the nature that it is it's it's you know, it's a very new direction to anything that I'd written before, a very different voice. So, um, yeah, I hadn't written anything like Echo Man before. That was a lot. Did, did you use, you said you also tried short stories and stuff. Did, did oh, yeah. you use those as a way to experiment with voice and, and things like I, that? No, I think I literally wrote one. Okay. <laughs> one or two um no I I was I'm, I still haven't written that many I think I've only ever written one or two I would like to I would like to um write some short stories and sort of get involved in in that but I tend to, whenever I have ideas they tend to grow yeah um so um, I start out thinking yeah. yeah I start out thinking this is going to be like uh, quite small and then it grows and then I want to explore yeah. a character in a lot more detail and I want to know about this this and this and then it it, it becomes a novel basically it becomes 85,000 words <laughs> <laughs> when you when you you talk there about, about finding your, your voice and, and that was one of the things that I found hardest was was trying to find the voice of the story or the character and I remember I read a book and and I was kind of basically like that's my voice I want to do and just copied that essentially to, to start with and how did you find your voice what did you this is your first book, etc. What did you do to to find it? Did you read stuff that was similar to what you wanted to write and kind of ape it a little bit, or did you just? Jump I, I know in and I did, it? In, yeah, I know I definitely did in the beginning. So I was definitely writing when I was reading a lot of Stephen King. I was definitely writing. You know, that was when I was obviously a lot younger, but mm -hmm. I was definitely sort of writing in that style. Um, but I think it was it just comes from practice. I think I just I read I read a lot, but then I also. I write a lot as well. So I think the more you write, the more you get into your mm -hmm. rhythm and your flow. And um, certainly I know how I like 
to write now. So if a copy editor tries to change it, it instantly feels horrible and I have to change it back. And so, yeah, I definitely know how I like. I use a lot of comma slice, splices, which people hate, but I use a lot of them and I have to force myself to change some to <laughs> well, take those that, commas is that, out. Is that when you break a sentence up into just with like... Yeah, lots of little, lots of little bits. Oh, I see. <laughs> and no ands, like I don't like ands. Yeah. So, yeah, I have to force myself. No, you can't. You can't just stick a comma in. You have that to kind of stuff sounds quite good for for thriller stuff. You kind of that sounds like quite like an immediate like PC quick yeah. fire, which kind of lends itself well to a kind of tense reader. Imagine it, it might be why I do it because I'm thinking so fast and I'm writing so fast that I don't sort of pause for full stops. Um, but it's yeah, it's definitely a habit that I wasn't aware of until copy editors say you're using too many comma splices. But I didn't even totally know what right. was. But once <laughs> you find that kind of cadence, isn't it? Once you find the cadence that works for you, and it kind of it flows at that you don't want to change it almost and, and and someone changes it and it does it sticks out like a sore thumb yeah yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah some um you definitely have copy editors which you get on with and some which you don't um, so <laughs> so the copy the, the copy editors i like are the ones that recognize that that's that's the way i write and if they change it it's gonna be horrible <laughs> for everybody <laughs> um well i mean we, we've talked around the echo man but do, do you want to yeah. tell us uh, <laughs> what it's about so uh, yeah the echo man um it follows two partnerships um the first one is uh, a pairing of detectives so uh, dci kara elliott and ds noah deacon as they're called out to um two bodies found in the boot of a ford galaxy in woodland and the second partnership is um kara's brother a disgraced detective called uh, nate griffin who um is doing his own off the books investigation into a series of uh, very violent, very nasty murders, and um, with all with different different MOs, different ways of killing. And he um, unwittingly sort of um, protects a woman who's a victim of an arson attack where her husband has been killed, and she's just about to be arrested for his murder. So she goes on the run, and Griffin hides her because he doesn't believe she's guilty. And between all of them, they they realise that. Um, the serial killer that they're all chasing is um, copying real life serial killers. So um, they're called out to a house where five people have been murdered. And one of them is a nine month, has a nine months old, uh, is pregnant, nine months pregnant. And of course, that's like the um, Manson killings. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I don't want to, I don't, can't really say much too more because I'll, I'll give away some spoilers. But yeah, it's it's very dark. It is very violent, very fast, um, but I think it's it's quite a lot of fun. <laughs> so. and, and where did the first spark for that idea come from? You know, what what did it start with? Did it start with a scene? Did it start with a character? Um, yeah, a combination of things. Um, I was watching a lot of David Fincher. I didn't realise it was all David Fincher, but but it is. Um, so Fight Club, Mindhunter, uh, Seven. And the thing, I, I mean, Seven's a brilliant film just in terms of its plot. But the thing that I really liked about it is its style. So it's very scratchy. There's this unrelentless rain. Um, it's very uncomfortable, especially that the credits are very uncomfortable. And I really liked that style. Um, and I, at the same time, I sort of came to the conclusion that culturally, um, in a society that we are at the moment, where there's a lot of true crime, there's a lot of serial killer um, you know, documentaries, biographies out there so much. If you were a um, sort of nasty, sadistic serial killer, wouldn't you want to copy the greats? 
you know, wouldn't you want to copy the pioneers? And then if you were sort of a bit narcissistic, wouldn't you want to better them? And I guess that's that's where the idea came from. It's a fantastic a idea for a book, I have to say. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's very, very exciting. And and when you were when you were sitting down to actually to, to write it, what was your process like? Did you are you a planner, your pantser? You know, what's what's your style? I'm looking at the notice board beside yeah. yeah. I'm guessing <laughs> it not a pantser. It, it doesn't it doesn't equate well to a podcast, but yeah, so um no, so I start I start with scenes generally. I have a few images in my head that sort of start to make up the story. So in terms of Echo Man, I had an image of um Griffin standing in the rain in the woodland in the dark you know rain pouring down his face and a sort of black coat and and boots I had another image which actually never made it into the book because I couldn't I couldn't get it in but of sort of Jess and Griffin standing next to a, a murder board with you know all the thing and her mm. making a joke about you know do they teach this at detective school but I couldn't ever get it in because the tone was very wrong um but um yeah and then and then the final scene was the one which is actually chapter one which is Jess in the uh toilets of the community center at the very beginning and that scene gave instantly gave me the person that Jess is uh, well I won't sort of I mean it's chapter one it's, it's hard to avoid but um, instantly that gave me the character of Jess and then I sort of start from those scenes I, I write them and although you know the, the notice board behind me with all the post all the post-its and the index cards and the post-it notes would, would probably indicate that I'm a planner I don't do that until I have a a base draft written so I write the base draft very much just sort of feeling how it goes I have scenes in my head and sort of get them down on paper and then when I have and I write very short so I usually end up with about 60 70,000 words which is generally a lot of dialogue and a lot of turning and shrugging Mm-hmm. and characters moving in and out of rooms and mm-hmm. getting you know moving around that sort of that awkward stuff you have to take out later and then I sit down and I and I plan and I make sure that everything flows and everything's in the right place and then I very at the very very end I make sure that the language sounds nice that's the sort of the last step that I get to is it a draft that you'll you know we've spoken to some people that will even just sort of say something happens here and they skip on to the next scene that they've got in their head that works and then they'll come back to it and f- sort of fill in at the end is is it is it that loose or do you try and have the coherent story um, through the base draft no it's 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 a mess yeah it's um it's normally i normally sort of go where it takes me so i write i normally write from that sort of three or four points of view so often i'll follow that one person as they sort of go as they do everything mm-hmm. and then when they, they sort of run out of steam I'll pick up another person and run with them so it would be all out of order and all all but I, well I write very quickly so normally I write if I haven't got anything else on I'll do sort of like six seven thousand words a day wow. but it's oh all, God, all that's crazy yeah but it's all crap (laughs) it's all terrible 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 stuff um but it's it's just a matter because I I can't see the story and I can't see the twists and the turns until I've got my fingers on the keyboard and I'm writing and the characters sort of it doesn't sound too wanky the characters sort of take it Mm -hmm. and and that's when it comes out like the epilogue of Echo Man I hadn't seen that to not to give it too much away until I wrote it and then I realized actually uh that's what that's how the book ends so you don't even have like an ending and something to aim for because I think we chatted before you've said they kind of they'll, they'll, they'll pants it a little bit but then they'll have points that they want they know they want to hit and how they get there they, they're not sure but they'll have these kind of floating you know aims to go to but I take it for you that even that's like 
not on the cards. I have some. I knew I knew where the ending was going to take place, and I knew who was going to be there. And I think I knew, and yeah, I sort of I, yeah, I know bits, but not not it all. I guess yeah. so. It's a, it's a surprise to me a lot of the time, and that's kind of I think that's the joy of yeah, writing totally. something that you and, suddenly. Uh, Oh, sorry, sorry. Lucky I can edit all this out. I was just going to ask, what's your what's your writing day like? Do you get up early and start kind of first thing? Do you have like a routine you try to stick to? Um, it's based around dog and child. Unfortunately, I would I would love left to my own devices. I would sort of get up late, uh, write, and then sort of continue writing until I sort of run out of steam. But I um I get up, have to take the child to school, have to take the dog for a walk, and then I and then I kind of sit down at my desk and write for as long as I can until I have to pick up the child from school. Um, that makes and the then, six or seven thousand words even more impressive. I have to say. <laughs> well, it's yeah, that's a full day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, six. Yeah, if I if I have to pick the child up, it's normally like four or five thousand. I feel quite good if I hit like five hundred words. I'm feeling very really <laughs> inadequate right now. I have to say. <laughs> They're not and, good uh, though. <laughs> did, did, obviously, you're now writing full time, but at, at, presumably when this started, you you still had the other. Did you did you still have the other job when you started Decoman, or is that the time when you stood, decided to stop? Uh, yeah so it, it it sort of slowly phased out I think I was there was one point where I was doing sort of three days and three days in London um and then sort of writing around that and then I think slowly the balance sort of shifted in favor of writing as the sort of work tailed off and then the writing picked up it sort of just shifted into the favor of yeah being able to write full-time which is it's a real luxury I think that that I have but yeah I at the moment I yeah write full-time and um, something we've often chatted about before is the whole write what you know mantra and you know whether there's actually it's, there's truth to it or people stick to it too close etc but you worked in HR um, you must have met some funny characters serial killers serial killers <laughs> psychopaths exactly anyone you you based anything on cool <laughs> 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 <Who> names uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> named and employed no. would be great yeah there, there are a few people that you um, that you meet and that that raise a few eyebrows, but unfortunately, reality is never as exciting as my imagination. <laughs> so, um, the people that I come up with in my mind are far more far more interesting than um, not to be rude to the people I worked with, but generally, the people of my imagination are more interesting than the people I've met. I always think it's a bit of a funny mantra that write what you know, because yeah. there would be a lot of boring books in the world, I suspect. Well, it- <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't work like for me because you know I personally haven't killed anyone. Um, <laughs> so... Do you have a book of poison on your shelf there, though? To be fair, yeah, yes, so. yes. Well, I mean, for Echo Man, I did a, a huge amount of research. Um, so I would argue it's it, for me. It's not right what you know, but it's right what you're interested in. So yeah. um, I had to do. You know, I I read sort of like two dozen books because it. Because the Echo Man echoes real life um, serial killer cases, I wanted to make sure that I got the facts right of the of the people that he was copying. So I read sort of all their uh, serial killer biographies. So sort of like Manson Dharma. Um, oh God, who else? Bundy. I mean, there's hundreds of biographies about Bundy. And then I sort of moved on and then read all the um, 
books about profiling and serial killer psychology. So all the greats like uh, John Douglas, Robert Redford, uh, Resler. There's um, the UK equivalent, which is a guy called Paul Britton. Dr. David Wilson is, is really interesting. So I'd read a huge amount about sort of the psychology, but also the their biographies. So yeah, it was wonderfully just to go off down rabbit holes and spend like days and weeks reading about Bundy. When you're and, looking and at... When, oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, when no, you're doing the research... Um, are you you know you're compiling all this information about these people is that is that at a stage before you've started writing or have you started writing at that stage i always have started writing um otherwise i find if i do the research first i find that that influences the writing and you just end up with a very boring mm -hmm. chapter about something so i'd rather write the story and then work out what what's missing so what's the bits that i need to so often when i am writing the base draft i'll just write excuse me i'll just write sort of in square brackets need to know here or like question mark question mark and i'll sort of fill that in later so um yeah i did i did however do a lot of research on serial killers first to the point that i had a list of um known serial killers and how they killed and who they killed so that when i needed someone so to speak yeah. um i could just look at this so this my entire board was just lists of serial killers um so i could just sort of look up and say right i need somebody who kills in this way and i need someone who kills men yeah. rather than women because i didn't want to kill like only women that's what i wanted to ask you was how did you whittle it down to you know you've got all these wonderful serial killers throughout the wonderful. ages wonderful just <laughs> great top people yeah how do you how do you select which one it sounds like it was almost like a story necessity you would plug a gap with that yeah i wanted ones that were instantly recognizable so that if you knew a little bit about serial killers that you would see something so for example manson is the easy example mm -hmm. so it's in a house um, he had an american flag he killed a woman that was nine months pregnant so anybody that knows and he had something daubed on the um, wall obviously it wasn't manson but you know what i mean um so i wanted stuff like that that was in that had a that had a real strong mo that you could easily pull up um so that somebody reading it would instantly know you know bundy is instantly known because of the car he drove so the sort of wanted things like that so if somebody was reading it that knew their true crime they could mm -hmm. pick that pick out those easter eggs and like feel that they were sort of mm -hmm. going along with the story it's cool it, it does sound like a really cool mashup of yeah true crime but also fiction and kind of you know a, a yeah mashup of, of the of the two which is quite often they're quite separate but it's quite a nice quite a nice homage almost Mm. Yeah, that that was my aim. I wanted it to sort of be a little bit of a crossover. And just before we move on from your process, I was just wondering. You you said you had this base draft, and then you, you sort of fill it out after that. I mean, how many? It might it might differ on projects, but how many drafts do you do you normally work through before you feel it's ready to show or send in to someone? Um. So the. So to get to a first draft, it's always, I think it's always about four. So there's the, the first base draft, which, as I said, is just a mess. And then the second draft is trying to get stuff in the right place. So making sure that structurally it's right. So that all the clues, because crime is crime is tricky because you have to make sure all the clues are, which yeah. you can see, sort of see on the whiteboard, the little, little post-its are all the clues. Um, so you need to make sure they're in the right place. So the second draft is just making sure it's all in the right order. Third draft is... Um, I don't know, this is sort of just finessing, really, making sure it's sort of 
plays and then the fourth time I go through I read it all out loud and try and get the cadence and the rhythm and make it sure it sounds sounds nice and that I'm not using um you know it's and then going through all those words that you use a hundred times like yeah shrug very um yeah oh, in fact I use what the hell quite a lot what the hell what on earth so I have to sort of get that one out um yeah I have it's a all lot those... of characters nodding i find oh nodding nodding <laughs> shrugging <laughs> muttering they did like to mutter mumbling yeah. yeah oh yeah i have a list and i literally go through and pull them just pull them yeah. out and change them around and yeah and then so so once you, you your, your book was written you had your agent and it was off to the publishers am i right in saying that it was a pretty it was, was it an auction you get that you had for your book that's super exciting what was that like uh, it took ages. <laughs> Everything in publishing takes ages. I mean, it, you you know what it's like. Um, so yeah, it took a long time. It took us a long time to get to that point. And also we were mid-pandemic, so everything was taking even longer. Um, but yeah, I had a note in my diary that said, do not phone Ed before this point. Because <laughs> so, he was just like, do not phone me. Like I think it, and it was like eight weeks or something. It was a really long time. And he said, if anything happens, I'll call you. Just don't phone me. So I had, you're not allowed to phone Ed for eight <laughs> weeks. Um, and it, yeah, it took forever. And then we got, we got some interest. And then I think eventually sort of Ed set a deadline and said, um, offers by this point. But we had a huge number of um, publishers that turned us down that just said, we, we love the book, but we, we can't publish this. Why was um, that too, too dark? Too violent, yeah. Okay. Um, that we, we had that feedback a lot. Um, which is fine because that's that's the book that I wrote. So it, it did get a bit worrying at times. I did think this is never going to get published. What have I done? Um, we got there. We got there. Got so there, yeah, it yeah. was it was very it was very tense, and I was very sort of stressed. And then we got offers, and then we sort of yeah met with. Well, we didn't meet with them. I did it all on Zoom, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, it was it was very exciting. To, as soon as we got a offer, and I kind of thought actually this this will get published. Yeah. Then you sort of breathe a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah. once you'd signed with with someone, what was the process from there? Because at that point, I take it there's more edits. You've got you're getting notes yeah. from someone else now, and is it, how what was it like? Um, yeah, so I, we signed with HarperCollins, and then um, Catherine, who's my editor with HarperCollins, came back and gave some more feedback. But actually, it wasn't it wasn't a huge amount because I think we'd done a huge amount of work before that point to get it to where it was. Um, and then I just did the edits, sent it back. Uh, it was like, yeah, it was one round of structural edits, I think, and that was it. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it was it was pretty quick after that point. There was nothing that you read and you thought mm, this is. You don't understand no. it at all. This is a disaster. No, well, we'd had those chats before. So that was part of the sort of meeting them before. And they would sort of give their feedback on this is what I would do to change it. So yeah. we knew that we were aligned before yeah. the contract was signed and it all got horribly awkward. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and what what was the sort of timescale then? So when did you first get Ed as an agent and um that was a long gap but when I think from when we first um when we first went out on submission to signing three four months right if not it was a long time Mm -hmm. yeah it was a really long time one of those stages where you look at every email that comes in (laughs) yes where you wake up in the morning thinking this is the day this is the day somebody could call with a preempt or something like that which of course (laughs) never happens um but yeah it was yeah i think it was a long time but that's just publishing for you isn't it everything takes longer than you think it should (laughs) and is this the start of a series or is it a one-off 
the moment it's well sort of so um the second book that will come out it comes out i think april 2023 is the same world in that they sort of reference echo man and Kara makes a few cameos but it's a completely it's a standalone you can read it by itself without um without needing to read echo man or anything like that but they do work quite nicely together because you sort of um yeah you if Kara comes in and you sort of go oh it's Kara and they do talk about the echo man very briefly and then they move away but yeah it's just it's a it's a standalone but um I I maybe I would like to return to the echo man world and sort of do a final final book but we'll yeah, have to see. It, it sounds like you create your own uh, universe, like Stephen King. They're all, yeah. they're all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Marvel or DC. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's yeah, universe yeah. where all the yeah. all the characters sort of intersect, but actually, there's one story about this, one story about that. Yeah, yeah it's it's very separate. So, yeah, the second book is is standalone essentially. Yeah, completely different characters, completely different story. Yeah, um, it's, um, it sounds almost a bit like kind of Red Dragon, sounds of sounds of the Lambs. You know, you, obviously there's connections there, but they're are largely kind of their own plots. You can read them in any order type of thing. And, yeah. and, it, and it also sounds like you say that it's coming out April, 2023, which is almost bang on a year after book one. And you know, that yeah. was that a very tight turnaround for writing your second book, given you'd had a, a limited time to write your first. Um, not really, to be honest. I do write. I do write very fast. Oh, as so soon I as I your seven thousand, a weekend you get your first draft done, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Another ten books. It didn't. It didn't take as long as Echo Man. Um, I wrote. So I, I, I'm not sure about the, but no, it it was it was okay. I think my biggest problem with book two is because I loved book one so much that anything I wrote on book two felt like it wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of. Um, so I did write a first draft. I sent it to Ed. Um, and he read it and said, no, no, it's, it's, it's changed this, 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 but, you know, carry on sort of thing. Don't scrap it. And I sent it to a friend. I sent it to Dom Nolan, actually. And he read it and said, no, 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 don't scrap it. Because um, all along I had that in the back of my mind. Should I just scrap it and start again? Should mm-hmm. I just scrap it? Um, but no, it's it stayed. It stayed. And it is it is good. It is good. My mum read it last week and she says it's good. So, yeah, it must be. <laughs> yeah, it was Dom. I think it was Dom that said to us that he had something that he, he just wiped it from his computer at some point yes yeah yeah no i can't i couldn't got stuck I couldn't. with it essentially and i flog them i flog stories until yeah. that they <laughs> um i don't know when to stop which i think is the problem which is why i was worried i was like how do you know when to scrap yeah. something mm-hmm. how do you know because i've never scrapped anything in my life so um how do you know and i think you just have to trust you have to trust the people that you respect don't you so i have to trust ed and i have to that that, you know if it was terrible that ed would say no no we need to get rid of this and pretend it never happened it's the upside and the downside of being a writer is that it's all on you and your head and Mm -hmm. you're not working with a team or anything it's it's you know it's difficult to get that um kind of of distance perspective yeah Yeah, exactly to know i mean i I gave i gave catherine i gave my editor the chance to scrap it as well but she she seems to think it's okay as well so we've kept it it. i've just finished structural edits on it so it's um it's going it's going if if, if, if it's crap now it's their fault because yeah she had a chance she had a chance (laughs) to say it was awful get rid of it (laughs) no no i think it is good i'm i absolutely adore the main characters and i think that's always a sign that that the book sort of works because I get I get slightly obsessed like with Echo Man I got obsessed with Griffin and Cara and Deacon um and with um 
with the 20, whether it stays called the 20, I don't know. I haven't kept a title yet, so who knows? Um, so with the 20, I'm obsessed with sort of Adam Bishop and, and the, all the characters in that. So yeah, hopefully that's a sign that it works. Yeah, cool. no, I, I know what you mean as well. I'm very similar in the sense that the idea of scrapping something that you've worked on and that you have grown attached to in some way would be very difficult for me because I would... Even if I wanted to start something else, that would always be there working away and yeah. I would end up trying to rewrite the same thing almost a lot of the time. It must be I, very I, difficult to... I to, often hang to on to... Actually, this is a, that's a lie. I have scrapped something. I scrapped... I tried to write a love story in lockdown and I scrapped that because it was terrible. Um, but I did keep the characters from it. So there were two characters and I kept them and they went on to be in another book. So yeah, although I'd scrapped the whole idea, although it's still sort of lingers a little bit um i kept the characters so it wasn't it doesn't sound anywhere near kind of you know i don't know dark enough like a romance seems yeah i was killing people (laughs) (laughs) you can't can't. i mentioned it to ed and he said you can't write a love story and then kill people and then i killed two people i was like oh this isn't gonna work is it this isn't a romance this isn't gonna fly (laughs) would you would you describe the echo man as a as a thriller or a police procedural um and is there a difference in your mind Mm. of the two um so I've had this chat with Catherine recently because I wrote so that with regarding the second book. So I would I would always call them a police procedural, although I don't I never really knew what that title was before I entered publishing. But um, but then she said it's not because there's it's not a straight procedural because there's other stuff going on. And I think in my head, I always think if I'm describing Echo Man, I always think it's, it's a love story but with a whole lot of killing going on okay. around it. So you're a romance writer at heart. At heart, at heart. I think, yeah, I want everybody to get together and, you know, be in love, but I just can't resist like this sort of carnage and death just sort of surrounding them at every turn. I think that's what, I have a quite a short attention span. So I think I need the sort of the murder and that, that sort of thing to keep my interest. But then at heart, I think I just want everyone to fall in love. So yeah, I would describe it as a sort of love story, cross thriller, cross police procedural. But I can't stay away from the police procedurals, even if I try and write something, there's always a cop that pops up. I just can't stay away from them. <laughs> and uh, you've got, um, obviously, Echo Man out uh, the the 20, I think you said, might be called next year. Um, what, what are you, how far in advance are you working? Are you, are you working on the third book just now? No, not yet. Uh, thinking about it. Um, yeah, so just thinking through some ideas, trying to write some blurbs and some pitches. I've just actually, there's about, I think I've just spent this week because I literally just gave in the 20. And then from then I've been writing sort of blurbs and pitches for some new ideas and trying to get get a hold of what they might be and who the characters are. I think I've written, I think I've written eight. So quite there's quite a few. And I'm just trying to get, yeah, get excited about something and there's a there's a, is another book which I wrote in lockdown I so I wrote the love story scrapped it and then I moved and wrote this um slightly bonkers uh I don't know how to describe it but it, it's just insane I wrote 85,000 words of just insane manicness um so I keep on wanting to go back to that and fix it and finish it and um I did sort of this week I was sort of reading through it again and it's and it's it's way more um insane than I remembered it being so but I would like to get it finished and then I can give it to Ed and say has this got has this got legs or is this just 
just insane lockdown ramblings, basically. I mean, but the, <laughs> it sounds like there isn't, because when we've spoken to other crime writers in particular, the, it seems that they're almost under an obligation that they have to stick to their lane, if you like, and, and come mm. out with it. If it's not, even if it's not a series, but they have to write a similar book so that readers will buy it and all that sort of thing. It, it sounds that you have a more open um, choice as to as to where you want to go. I think it's lucky that everything I everything I want to write tends to be in the same lane. I guess as such. So, I mean, I think I do think Ed was humouring me with the love story. I think if I had if I had presented it to him, he would have gone, "What the hell?" Um, <laughs> but so yeah, so I think I think basically I do stay in. Staying in my lane is probably the wrong way of putting it, but I think everything I love tends to be in the same wheelhouse mm -hmm. anyway. So it's cops, it's it's probably violent murder, it's um, you know that very dark stuff. So I write sort of around that anyway. I think that helps, and but they, um, they know what to expect. <laughs> I, I I do want to ask. We've chatted to folk, female authors um, in the past who were recommended not to use a female name um, on the front of the books. So we're told this use either a male name or a gender neutral name or like initials because um i, I believe it, they were told that men don't traditionally read crime books read uh, written by women which is just i mean sounds insane and i don't know if it's still the, the case today but it was certainly a few years ago and i wondered if that had any uh, sway on your decision to use sam rather than samantha i don't think it's hurt um <laughs> uh yeah so most people have when I, we've gone out with with Sam have just assumed that I am a man mm -hmm. um even though the two of the main viewpoints of Echo Man are, are women like Griffin has a, he has a point of view but it's it's quite minor in comparison to Kara or Jess um but most people have assumed that I'm a man but I don't it wasn't a conscious I, choice though that you made to say well they'll trick people almost or, or, or we won't make it or or, or or was that part of your thinking it was part of my thinking. Yeah, let's, okay. let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hurt, and um, it was part of my thinking. <laughs> that's it's, it's, it does. It just it just seems bizarre to me that that's a consideration that folk have to think about. You know, but yeah, yeah, it is what it is, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. I think there was a Guardian article that came out recently as to some um, research that was done that showed that some men only read books by men. Some, yeah, you know, some. not not all. But, but why yeah. cut them out of your sales potentially? I guess that's exactly, the... exactly. <laughs> and it, and it is, you know, it is a very dark story. It is, it is very violent. It is quite graphic. So, I think, yeah, it doesn't hurt being mistaken for a bloke. <laughs> <laughs> and um, obviously, you're writing books just now. But would you ever want to write anything else, like a, a screenplay or anything like that? I have a um, long-held dream to win Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars. <laughs> but um, but I think, yeah, well, exactly. I think it's, it's perfectly possible. But I think realistically for me to move away from doing something that, that I really love and doing something that I've never done before and don't know how to do and have no idea and, it, it, and is traditionally a very hard industry to break into, mm -hmm. um, I think would be, I don't think will happen. So, no, I love I love novels. I love writing books. I think it would be a real change if I if I stopped but screenplays would be films I, I absolutely adore sort of 
um, film and cinema, and that would be the only way that I would change. I think it, it, it does sound like there is a like when we spoke to I think it was um, Sarah Pimbra said that when one of her things was being adapted, she they asked, "Do you want to write one of the episodes? It's a good way into the industry, etc. Things like that." So it does sound like there are opportunities if your work was to get picked up that some production companies in any event are are open to to doing that um but yeah it's it's a very different form of writing as well it can't probably not an easy jump to make yeah I think if somebody offered me something like that it would be very hard to say no Mm -hmm. but equally I don't think I would you know willingly say well I'm going to stop writing books and I'm going to try and write a screenplay because yeah because I love doing this so much Um, what was the last book that you read? Um, I'm doing a, so I'm moderating a panel for Crime Fest, uh, which is uh, mid-May. And it means that I've had to read um, a couple of authors, which I've never read before, which is, it's been a really, actually, a really good way of doing it. So I've just finished reading uh, Ross Thomas's uh, Cold Reckoning. And I'm just reading Fire Watching, which is the start. So I read his, his latest one, which I think comes out in May, which is Cold Reckoning? Cold? Oh, Yes, I think so. Called Reckoning. Um, and then I went back to the beginning to start the DS Adam Tyler sort of series again from the beginning. And then I've read um, Smokescreen by Thomas Enger. And uh, he's got a co-author whose name I've forgotten. So I just read those and they were they were fantastic. Do you, do you always read uh, crime or do you read um, I, I, move, I do move around a bit. I, I mostly, I think about... 70% crime and then I do try and read other things um, that's, that's sort of more I don't know that's a bit different because I think you need to have that balance you can't just read crime um, but yeah it's probably about 50-70% crime it, 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 to some, some authors sometimes say um, they don't like to read the genre that they're writing at that time because it kind of leaks into their own it does work. yeah yeah so I do have to be careful if I'm if I'm writing something so if I'm say when I'm writing Echo Man or the 20 and because that's a serial killer novel as well I won't read any serial killer right. stuff and yeah. to be honest I don't read a lot of serial killer stuff anyway I try to stay away from it because it does it absolutely bleeds into mm-hmm. um what you're trying to write same with you know when if I'm trying you know please I do like police procedurals so I do read those but some yeah I do try and stay away from them especially if you're in the base draft phase when things are sort Mm -hmm. of going in I'll try to avoid police procedurals and serial serial killer crime yeah definitely Uh, what about the last film that you watched I watched uh, Fresh on Disney which is it's so it, it it it's it's different i really like stuff that's a little bit different i like books a little bit different and films a little bit different it um i love sebastian stan so you know you can go no wrong it didn't quite go in the direction that i wanted it to so if i've been writing it then i would have taken it off in a different direction but i enjoyed it just because it was very different and it was kind of comically dark and i like that sort of black mm-hmm. slightly black humor i also watched um don told me to watch uh, deep water which was oh, on the ben affleck 
the Ben Affleck yeah. thing. An erotic yeah. thriller, I believe. It wasn't very erotic. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you like snails, it really wasn't that erotic. Ooh. It was good. Yeah. Oh, no. It was, I, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it because I enjoyed the story, but I haven't read the book. So I think maybe if you'd read the book, you might have a different reaction to it. But right. those are the last two films. I've, we're watching, uh, we just started watching Ted Lasso, which isn't a film, I know, but um, we're about two years behind on that. And I've just discovered, I love medical, anything medical. So sort of like Grey's Anatomy, Code Black. And I've just discovered nine series of Chicago Med, which I didn't realize were there. So I'm now starting from the beginning and I, you know, couldn't be happier with nine series of Chicago That's Med like in front Tarek's of me. Tarek's been on an ER run. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just finished season 12, I think, of ER, or 11 of ER. Yeah, it's definitely in that downward slope of oh. it's all just they're all just hooking up with everyone else and it's it, it's gone away from the medical it's become a soap opera it's become a soap opera it, exactly. it, yeah ER, ER was the original and it, yeah it was always it was always the best but and Grey's, and, Grey's Anatomy is on that ooh is on the, the downward spiral yeah, yeah. poor yeah. Grey's yeah, Anatomy oh New Amsterdam it. is the other one that's I love New Amsterdam <laughs> <laughs> the time, sorry, just before we move on from Anthony Edwards, I saw you posted something. You didn't even know it was, I he was Goose. I was watching Top, Top Gun the other night there, yes, preparation for Maverick. And What's wrong with you? I, don't know <laughs> I was watching and I was like, God, the Goose looks so familiar. I haven't seen it for years. And I was like, Goose looks so familiar. And I was like, but, but, he's, but he's bald in ER and he's got oh hair in Top Gun. I mean, it's impo- uh, how anyone's ever meant to know that the same person. Incredible, no incredible. <laughs> so they look exactly the same. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, I would normally ask what this last TV show that you were watching. But oh, yeah, sorry, I, I, jumped, I jumped it. But it's yes, all right, enough. no, that's fine. Um, <laughs> well, that's it, because the, the, the very last thing we always do is a super quick fire, either or, and uh, there's no right answers apart from one, but we'll start off with Seven or Zodiac. Seven. Every every time. I mean, Brad Pitt, Kevin Spacey. I know we're not supposed to like Kevin Spacey anymore, but he is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Quinness, Quinness in a box. I mean, you can't go wrong. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, uh, TV we don't know or... mine now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, TV or cinema? So my guilty pleasure has to be daytime cinema. So if, if I've just finished a deadline, I'll sneak out and go to the cinema and it will be like me and like two other people and just just empty. So I do like a bit of daytime cinema, but it has to be TV, I think, in your, in your pyjamas on the sofa. Yes. But I do, yeah, I do like cinema with the big screen and yeah uh night owl or early bird neither okay. i don't like i don't I, uh by necessity i'm an early bird because i have to get up for the dog and the child but i think given left to my own devices i would get up about nine and i'd go to bed about ten <laughs> so nice. i i don't do <laughs> yes thirty thousand words written in that yeah room. yeah, yeah. <laughs> then i'd a whole I novel would, I would be so happy if I could just do that and then just, you know, have a few cabbage cream eggs in the middle. I'd be, yeah, very happy. I like sleeping. I like sleeping. Um, Music or no music when you're writing? No music when I'm writing, but then I do have like a soundtrack or a playlist that I listen to the other times. So I'll have a theme, theme song sounds really bad, but I'll have a theme so the Echo Man's got like a trailer in my yeah. head. So you hear the theme song and I see the t- sort of trailer of what the film would show of the Echo Man. So Sounds yeah, like you're, this... you're a very visual right? You get to think of a lot of film yeah. t- kind of touchstones almost when you're writing. Um, Incredibly visual. Almost, if I can't yeah. see it, so I have, you, you can, sort of can't see around me, but um, if I turn it, you can probably see one. 
I have sort of um, images of who plays the various characters, and that right. if oh, I can't okay. if I can't see the character, if I can't see the scene, then it's I find it incredibly hard to write. So I sort of have to have that visually. Yeah, very, I'm very visual when I write. Um, and the last one, real book or ebook? Real book. Sorry, oh, incorrect answer. I mean, I'm afraid. Sorry, look at yeah. the bookshelves. I know. Yeah, I. Know. I, 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 I I would love to like ebooks because they're so practical and there's, you know, you can, it's so accessible, but I, I just can't, I just love the feeling of a real book and yeah, I can't, I can't move away. I'm sorry. Do you, do you, do you open them up and smell the pages? I don't. I don't. <laughs> obsessed with this is a strange. Uh, some people have told me they do this, and I, I like the smell of a new book. See, I, say, yeah. I, I don't walk into bookshops and sniff but, yeah, them. No, but um, but I do like from Black Whales. I do like the, <laughs> probably there's something about it. You know, holding a real book and um, you know, having the pages and and especially when you when you write them as well when it's your book. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think yeah, there's there's uh, nothing I, better I than do, having a yeah. solid. A solid book in your hand, and Five I still back. haven't. I still haven't got my Echo Man ones. Oh, <laughs> no. That's annoying. <laughs> it's gutting. Um, but yeah, it comes out soon. I haven't got any. So yeah, it's it's that sort of having them in your hand. So yeah, sorry. Fair enough. Excellent. Fair enough. That's right. Uh, and what is the date the Echo Man's out? Fourteenth of April. Excellent. Okay. Well, I am very much looking forward to reading that when it comes out. <laughs> So I still can't quite believe that you watched, I don't know how many series of ER. Eight. And Top Gun. Eight seasons. But I'll be honest, I'll be honest, I challenge anyone, I Edwards. challenge anyone to watch ER yes. and, and look at Mark Edwards. The man's bald. He has a must. He doesn't even have a mustache. Mark Edwards. He's not. He's not. I, you've changed who it is. He's bald. He's very, very close. He's balding. No, Anthony Edwards is. Did his I say name. Mark Edwards? Who's Mark? Yeah. Ed- I don't know who Mark Edwards is. The, the, author. <laughs> the author. Yeah. I, I tried to look at Mark Edwards, the author, and see he's in Top Gun. No, you look at Anthony Edwards now in New York. He looks unrecognizable. He's he, he is unrecognizable. And 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 the fact is, he's he's good as goose. Yes, but he obviously isn't a sex symbol because he never made it after that. As far as I'm aware, he may well be in another stuff. It's probably, it's probably been, been a, lot, of big a lot of things you've watched and you just can't recognise them. I mean, the only difference is really here. That's about That's a, the only it's difference. difference. It's a big difference. It's a big I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, we should put up some, I'm going to put some photographs on Twitter. I'm, but from Top Gun and from ER, and honestly, they are unrecognisable. Let's, let's do that. We'll see. In fact, we could even do this at the live show. See if people <laughs> are shocked at the difference. Um, but thanks very much to, to Sam for coming on to the podcast. That was a really good chat. Um, and as we said at the start, a lot of good insights. Um, and I've not read Echo Man yet, but you have. And it does sound like a great book. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a really fast-paced thriller. Lots of twists and turns. Really kind of nasty serial murderer behind the scenes. Yeah, everything you want in that kind of seven zodiac type of story yeah so um yeah definitely pick that one up we'll put a link in the podcast description so you can do so and yeah just thanks again for to sam for coming on to the podcast and next week um before our live appearance um we have another episode coming out with another great guest yeah next week we're going to be chatting with rob hart who is the author of six novels, including The Warehouse, which is his biggie. I think everyone, I know you've read that, Marco, and you're a massive fan of yep. it. Um, yeah, and the, his latest one is The Paradox Hotel, which unfortunately is still looking for a UK, UK publisher. 
Yeah, um, which is which weird. Is yeah, but um, but it's a really fun chat we have with him. He's got some great tips and advice for everybody. Yeah, because he also teaches uh, writing and is involved in Lit Reactor and things like that. So a lot of good insight. And yeah, if you've not read The Warehouse, it's a sort of near future. What if Amazon became even bigger than it is? Yeah. Uh, and what would that mean for yeah. people? So it kind of feels it, like a kind of Michael Crichton type idea of taking a Yeah, it's, a it's in that sort of ballpark. Or we, we've had Blake Crouch on the podcast before. Um, it's that sort of near future sci-fi yeah. with a with a twist essentially so um yeah the sort of stories that i really love and i highly recommend the book and i highly recommend that you tune in <laughs> for the episode and of course if anybody has any questions either for us or for mr tchaikovsky at next week's chimera festival they can always get in touch by sending us a tweet in the twitter machine which is at uk page one or uh, by email which is podcast at rightgear.co.uk yeah, and as always, if you enjoyed the episode, please do take the time to give us a rating and review. Please subscribe. Please get your friends to subscribe because all of that helps us uh, grow in the charts, which is what we're trying to do so that we can get even more great guests on the podcast. But otherwise, um, we will leave you now and see you next episode for the chat with Rob and hopefully see some of you at the live chat with Adrian Tchaikovsky. See you later. Thank you.